Hello, hello, I'm Lindsay Luttrell and this is Table 5. I asked y'all for feedback in the last episode and boy did y'all deliver. Thank you so much for all of your kind words, suggestions, and excitement over Table 5. It really just means the world to me, so thank you so much. Okay, so summer is finally here, which makes me miss my hometown of Destin, Florida more than ever. And I feel like I have a lot of listeners who know of Destin or vacation there. So today I wanted to highlight one of my favorites, Dewey Destins. I mean, I would have to do a whole episode, if not longer, to go into the history of the Destin family. So for today, I will just highlight Dewey Destins seafood and maybe I'll just have to get them on the pod so you can hear the whole story. They have three locations now. One is on the harbor in Destin. One is in Navarre, Florida, and the original is on Calhoun Avenue overlooking Crab Island. And I have such a soft spot for this location because I worked there a few summers in college, which was so, so fun. And also it's the one that my family goes to the most. You drive down an old gravelly road, seemingly going nowhere. And then it opens up to a dock with bright colored umbrellas, emerald green waters of the Choctahatchee Bay. And it's just so old school or I guess Old Destin, shall I say. And it's just special, I love this location. It's a super casual, like order at the window vibe and go find a picnic table on the dock and wait for your name to be called by one of the food runners, which is what I used to do. <laughs> it is the highest quality fresh caught seafood from right where you're sitting. They have a chalkboard highlighting daily specials depending on the catch of the day. You can do fish, shrimp, and oyster baskets that you can either get fried, grilled, or steamed. I mean, it's really pick your poison. I am a sucker for their fried shrimp basket that comes with two of the best hush puppies you'll ever have, french fries and coleslaw. I will never be able to explain why this fried shrimp is the best ever, ever, ever in all of the land. <laughs> but just know that every time I've taken someone, they agree hands down. I have the best memories of working there. They love their locals, regulars, and tourists alike. There is so much more that I could say about Dewey Destins. I haven't even mentioned the grouper parm. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I love picking up Dewey's to go for a boat day on Crab Island or going right at sunset for what is the most beautiful view. I haven't even spoken about their delicious New Orleans style snowballs or how much I love the key lime pie. I mean, honestly, the list goes on and on and on. So I will just say, as usual, add it to your list and thank me later. Okay, so my next guest is a mom, cookbook author, restaurant owner, and entrepreneur. We talk about moving from Mexico to California, growing up in the restaurant business, the history of the restaurant she co-owns with her siblings today, and her mission to preserve her culture. With her latest cookbook out, All About Asada, we mostly talk about her Oaxacan roots and celebrating her inner LA girl. I could have talked to her for another hour, so she'll definitely have to come back. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with Grecia Lopez. I'm so happy to finally meet you. I feel like we have mutual friends and we, I mean, we kind of met on the globe way back when, but it was a lot of moving parts. So it's so nice yeah, to see you. Yeah, of course. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. I don't, where do you live? Do you live in New York? I, no, I live in LA. I'm in Santa Monica. Oh, you live in LA. Well, what's the difference? Santa Monica, New York takes exact, yeah. exact same amount of time to get there <laughs> from where I am. I don't know. Where are you? <laughs> Highland Park. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So like North, Northeast LA. I'm like, might as well just fly to New York. By the time I get there, I'll be in Santa Monica. I'll never forget. I dated a guy who lived in Silver Lake. And when I told my boss. Oh um, my God, that was not going to work. <laughs> I know. Like a million years ago, I was like, oh, I, was like, I need to leave a little bit early. I have to meet him on the east side. And she was like, your new boyfriend lives in Silver Lake? And I was like, yeah. And she like, break up with him. It's easier to take a red eye to New York. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you're not wrong. <laughs> Oh I mean, facts, Lindsay, I but Santa Monica is beautiful. I went to high school in Palisades. So, oh my gosh, how fun. Did you live over here? And, no. But uh, so like I know I'm very familiar with the promenade as a little girl. And oh, yeah. Yeah. That was oh my, my old stumping ground because I went to also an all-girls college in Brentwood. So I was just always hanging out there. Oh my gosh. Wait, you went to an all-girls college in Brentwood? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't even know there was an all-girls college in Brentwood. Yeah, it's still there. 
Oh my gosh, how fun. Was that culinary school or was that a traditional college? No, I was just a traditional college. Imagine oh, wow. an all-girls like culinary school in Brentwood. <laughs> Actually, that would kill. I wish you'd start I mean, that. <laughs> add it to the list of things you want to do in add your life. Add it to the things that I that I that I idea board. Oh my god. Wait, so you were born in Oaxaca but moved here when I was 10. Eight, oh, 10. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Are we that? starting? Is this is this recording? Oh yeah, I'm record. I just always start recording before. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> is this happening right now? I wasn't sure if we needed to like start start like one two three, set go. I saw the countdown and I was like, is she? Are we doing a clap? What's happening? I, I was saying hello. Just like hit record because it's just like easier for me because then I feel like if something if something is said before we're recording, I'm like, oh, I'll never yeah, get that back. For sure. That's so sad. <laughs> um, I mean, I I edit it down, but. Yeah, we're starting. Hey. Oh, well, hi. Let's... Five. <laughs> Hilarious. I was born in Oaxaca. I was born in Oaxaca and I moved to LA when I was 10 years old. Um, my dad moved a year before we did. And when I say we, I'm talking about my mom, my two sisters and my brother. So my dad moved to LA a little bit less than a year before we moved here. I think like nine months. Oh, wow. Um, I remember visiting him in between. He um, took us to Universal Studios in Disneyland, and I was like, oh, my God, I love L.A. I love America. Oh, yeah, I bet. Bring me here forever, please. Um, we had McDonald's. It was just, like, the best thing ever. Because oh I'd only had McDonald's one time in my life before coming to this country, only once, and I was 10 years old. So I was like, what is this? Yeah. What is this? What is this French toast people speak of? What is this big boy, like, buffet, oh, all you can eat? I'm like, you mean to tell me I can just eat whatever I want from this table? And then my aunts, I had two aunts that lived here in L.A. They would, you know how in the buffet, I don't know, they don't think they do this anymore. But do you remember before they used to have the mini cereal boxes yes. lined up? Yes. With milk and everything, right? Like, I've never in my life had seen a mini cereal box. Like, I was just, like, my mind was blown for everything that I was seeing. So we would stuff food in these mini boxes and take them with us after. Because I was like, this food is free. (laughs) So I would stuff French toast and I would stuff pancakes in these little boxes, put them in the purse and, like, yeah, bring them back home. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's quite the culture shock. Like, you're visiting dad in America, and everything is just, like, which, I mean, it's kind of... Bigger? Yeah, it's bigger, badder, like, so much to offer. I mean, the abundance is ridiculous at times. I imagine that was quite the culture shock. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. So, yeah, I moved here when I was 10. Um, I started going to school in Palisades. I did not live in Palisades way far away from Palisades but I got to experience what it was like you know going to a traditional American school and and, um, I did fifth grade here and then I moved to middle school sixth seven eighth were probably the hardest years of my life um, in Brentwood but I did have a locker so it made up for it because I always dreamed of having a locker (laughs) yeah what was your like move I can't imagine my parents coming to me at 10 and being like, we're moving, but much less moving from Mexico to America. Like what was I mean, your imagine if your parents reference? tell you even right now, like going to a place where you do not know the culture and you do not know the language. So yeah, let's say someone just drops you somewhere at 10 years old where you have no idea what's going on. You don't know how the systems work. You don't know the language. You don't know the food. Um, and you're just, you know, a little girl walking around like, Oh, Hola. I know how to speak English. So yeah. I need I I um I started with ESL classes. So with the, back then they had these English as a second language classes. And my teachers were really I still remember Ms. Van from fifth grade. And she was so kind and so nice. And she really took to me and was so patient with me and I think saw something in me and really nurtured me and nurtured my talents and was always so was always just so encouraging to me and I mean this is why I have so much respect for for, for people in, in education because yeah. they really can they can really change a human being's life you know oh, yeah. I also dealt with horrible teachers in high school that told me my English teacher in high school told me that you know my only goal in high school should just be to like not be pregnant like if I didn't get pregnant in high school like that was like that was my bar like she's like oh, well just don't get pregnant gosh. you'll be fine and I'm like, well, it's that low, huh? 
Yeah, so, and also, who else are you saying that to? Are you saying that to everyone, or are you just saying No, I think she was saying yeah. it to Latinas. I think she's just saying yeah. it to the Latina, to, to Latina population of five in my school. Oh my gosh, how did you yeah. respond? Were you just in shock, like I am right now? Um, well, that's the thing, you know, that's the thing about what I say. I don't remember what I responded with, to be honest, but also she like caught me cheating. Like I was a horrible student. So, I mean, that's not to say that doesn't give her the right to do that, right? Yeah. Like, I'm just saying the difference between teachers who will take the time and understand what's going on in people's homes. You know, I was working every single weekend in high school. I didn't have any extracurricular activities. I went from school to work, pack up, you know, close shop with my parents. I'd go to bed at midnight, get up at 6 a.m. to go to school and do the thing all over again. And then every weekend, 8 a.m., call time to the restaurant and then you know 11 p.m go home like that was my life and I thought that was normal in high school right. I there was no room for me to study right. and my parents really didn't care yeah. <laughs> all I'm very scared about was us learning how to work and being involved in the business even at an early age of high school uh so they never really even checked my grade so I didn't really have anyone to to be responsible to, right. or to be, how do you say that? Not to be responsible to, but yeah, anyone like no that was like keep tops on me, correct, yeah. to be accountable to. Like I had no one to be accountable to when it came to academics. My older sister, you know, same thing. She wasn't very interested in school. My younger brother, he he's always been a very great, he's always been great at school. He was on the decathlon team. Like, you know, wow. he was, but that's just who he is, right? Um, so going back to what my teacher said, I just didn't know. But yeah. I think because I was living a different life, I didn't, I was like, whatever, right? Because yeah. I, I was just, I was living the life of a 20 something when I was like 15 years old in high school. Yeah. So to me, school was just something that was going to just pass. And I was yeah, just waiting like, yeah, for it to finish. It. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to, eventually this will finish and I'm going to be free. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So your dad moved here to open the the restaurant y'all still have today, Galagetza, and that's why he like wanted well, to make sure y'all were like working every day in the restaurant, like helping the family business. Yeah, so he moved not knowing what he was going to do. When we lived in Oaxaca, um my parents uh my dad was a mezcal maker. Uh and he was um you know a traveling merchant and he was just selling mezcal from state to state. Wow making relationships and growing a, a little small brand. It was probably one of the first brands to come out of Oaxaca back in the early 90s. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it's cool now, girl, because everyone's into mezcal. It wasn't cool yeah. back then. <laughs> it wasn't cool in 1990. Yeah, you're right. It I mean, wasn't cool in like 1985. Yeah, when you're like, no one knows mezcal, Dad. Oh, yeah, when everyone thought mezcal was like the cheapest thing, you know, next, you know, it, tequila was barely becoming a thing, and let alone mezcal. So he really, you know, in, in the early, like mid-90s, there was a huge economic collapse in Mexico to where the government devaluated the currency. Now, it's very hard for Americans to understand what that yeah. means. I think people who grew up in Latin American countries have a lot of experience with money devaluation. I think that maybe nowadays Americans are like, oh, inflation, 10%. 15%. Oh my gosh. No, this is nothing. Imagine one day you wake up, you have a hundred dollars and the next day that hundred dollars is worth $1. Like oh, that's wow. really what happened. Like they took two zeros away from the peso. So if you had a hundred pesos, that meant that that became one. So this whole thing happened. My dad, he was a merchant making mezcal, completely lost everything he had and had no choice, but to figure out another avenue of, well, you know, just to provide for his yeah. family his sister lived in LA and had always told him that you should move here. And my dad always had dreams of his kids studying in the U.S. Like oh, my dad always had these dreams of his kids, you know, going to school in the U.S. Because that we're sold that idea early on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, America's education system to this day, right? Right. Um, so I think everyone would just laugh at my dad, like, how is that going to happen? So he just made a decision and he's like, well, the only, the only way it's going to happen is if I go there and figure it out. So he moved with, he moved in with his sister. Um, and then he started selling Oaxacan products. So my mom and I, and my sister, my older sister, we'd go to the markets 
we'd buy Oaxacan products, things like cheese, mole, chocolate, chapulines, um, meat, bread, everything you can think of. Like the yeah. Oaxaca essentials, every Oaxacan can live without. Put it on a bat on a on a box, wrapped it, take it to the airport. That will ship to Tijuana. My dad would drive back and forth from LA to Tijuana every four days, pick up a new shipment, go back, and then just sell it to people that he knew. And that's right. what he that's what he started doing and started making money. Then eventually oh, was a, a street food vendor. Um, and then open a restaurant all in nine months without knowing oh the gosh. language. This man is fearless. That is I mean, impressive. not anymore. He's older now. So he has, you know, he's not like that anymore. But he was this crazy, fearless, like no fuck given. Like he just didn't give a fuck. He was just like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, well, he had no choice, he did right? It. Did he already have the four of you yeah. at the time? Yes. He have, <laughs> had four children to I feed. Mean, oh, my gosh. I imagine he's like, get it done. Yeah. And then my mom, you know, the MVP of the family was just taking care of her children. My uncle, her brother moved in with us. So he helped us. He, he helped us. Um, he helped raise us, um, for about like nine months, uh, take us to school, pick us up, just help my mom. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, you know, it's beautiful when you live in Mexico and you have family and you create a community, right? Like growing up here and Building a family in this country, especially in a big city, you know, whether you're in L.A., New York, San Francisco, you know, get a big metropolitan city and you don't have families. It's very, very difficult to raise a family because that community aspect isn't there. So I really always have so much respect for moms who are trying to do the thing because it's very, very hard. Oh, I know. I Most of my friends who, you know, I've lived here for like 17 years since I graduated college. And most of my friends who did the same thing, like moved after school and we were all working, doing whatever. When they got married and had kids, a lot of them left because it's so much easier to go back to wherever yeah. you think, think you have mm-hmm. community, family, sisters, moms, whatever. So I yeah. totally understand yeah. that. Yeah. So my mom, you know, when you live in Mexico, it's easy to find help. And so she had four kids and then we moved here and then that was all taken from her. So it was just really up to her. And um, in the, you know, early days when we found the school, my dad found the school for us. We would, my mom would drive an hour to take us to school every single day from, you know, mid city, drive us to Palisades. And by the time, her driving back to work with the restaurant and then drive back to pick us up just didn't make sense. So she'd drop us off. She'd clean a house or two around beautiful mansions and Mandeville Canyon and Palisades. She was a housekeeper, clean the homes and then pick us up and then take us to work. And then she'd work at the restaurant. So she had three jobs. She was a housekeeper, a full-time mom, and she worked at the restaurant, helped my dad with all the finances or whatever she you know bookkeeping or whatever she yeah. needed to do and just work so it was it was I grew up watching that and thinking it was normal I mean I never really I never really thought that it was hard I just saw mm-hmm. it like that's what you do you know right. and on the weekends through middle school on the weekends my mom and I would pack up a, a, a truck and we would drive to Santa Barbara and then we would pop up I guess right now you would call it a pop-up like right now yeah. it'd be like a thing people like oh my god how cool it wasn't that hip back then right. we would set up shop in the back of this woman's home and we would sell clayudas and mamelas and empanadas and mole um then we set up tables and then we just split the money with the woman who like would just give her some money for letting us borrow her home yeah we'd go to sleep we'd do it Sunday morning and then once the Sunday morning rush finished like we'd pack everything up and then we'd drive back to LA and then I'd go to school on Monday and I was in seventh grade so that was just my life growing up but that's just always been like hustle hustle like that's what your dad did to get here that's what your mom did to make sure everything was running smoothly so you've just always had that hustle it sounds like I mean you weren't really giving a choice before I think that you know you you when you were an immigrant child like that's you just do it there's nothing yeah. there's no alternative there's no choice it's just what happens now I look back I'm like where was my brother where was my sister I'm assuming my older sister was at the restaurant but where was my three-year-old sister and where was my you know eight-year-old yeah. brother I have no idea where they were but my mom and I were in Santa Barbara my dad was at the restaurant they were probably just hanging out in right. the corner of the restaurant or something so your dad and there were no this- and there were no phones back then. Like there was no TV back right. then. Right. So it's not that you can just stick us in the corner and give us an iPad and be like, "Hey guys, I'll see you in eight hours." Like right. who knows what was happening? Yeah. 
they're just like running around the restaurant. You're like selling probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. So yeah, that's 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 how I came up. And um, in about ten years ago already, my parents retired. My um, my father built very successful businesses and really was made made like an incredible life for his family. Yeah. We had a beautiful big house in the hills and all the nice cars and I had all these beautiful branding purses and then my dad lost every single everything um and when the um, housing crisis and all that oh. when all the debacle happened in, in right. the in in the U.S. I don't know when was that 08 I don't remember, yeah, remember. Yeah. <laughs> my dad lost everything lost his home my car got repossessed it was oh so it God. was like so how old it, yeah my, when that I, happened when that happened, I was in like my very early twenties. Oh gosh! Um, and then I saw my dad just completely like go from the top, go all the way to the bottom, and was with him watching this happen and unfold, you know, in front of me for a few years until there was really nothing left, and um he decided to just like sell everything off. And then there was only one restaurant left, which was the one that I currently run with my siblings. Yeah. And, you know, we figured something out. My sister, my brother and I figured out how to restructure that business. We bought the business from my parents. I mean, obviously we didn't have any money. So we made like a plan, a payment plan. So yeah. they moved to Oaxaca and we did like a five-year payment plan. So we would pay them the value of right. whatever the assets were and then we would send monthly payments to them um and then we were left with a sinking ship that we needed to save right. uh and we've been doing that for the and so we we did that and then uh but we survived and we you know since then we haven't opened any new restaurants but we built you know other fabulous businesses on top of our brand and right. it's now now we're in a different stage of our life with my sister and my brother and you know we're building other things together everything yeah. I do is with my siblings and you know we're having so much fun now yeah okay I have a couple <laughs> questions why was Go. it so important to y'all like you you watched this restaurant this empire your dad had built you watched it tank why was it mm -hmm. important to y'all to come up with this five-year plan to buy it back? Like you just, that was your life and you loved it so much or you wanted to continue your dad's legacy? Like why why wouldn't y'all just be like, okay, that that sucks. And then you both all go your separate ways. Like why fight that for the restaurant? That was fun. Yeah. You're like, so that was cute, dad. Yeah, that was Bye. cute, dad. Nice attempt. Bye. Uh, gee, girl, I don't know. You know, you know, sometimes I say, you know, I just, the idea of just watching everything mm -hmm. just disappear and then my dad's life, yeah, like basically gone to waste and the hurt in his eyes. And, you know, I think, you know, again, coming from a Latino Mexican household and being a daughter of a very macho, like the quintessential, everything you think of a macho Mexican right. man, like stereotypical, like that's my dad. Like there's nothing that's not like a total macho man, like hundred percent right. <laughs> times 10, you know, jealous, possessive screams, like all those horrible, Lots talk about pride. toxic masculine, talk about toxic masculinity, whatever <laughs> people right. say nowadays, like that's, um, so, you know, you always, you grow up wanting to like live up to that and you grow up, you know, living your life for your parents. Yeah. And I think like this was, I think I just, it was the moment and we decided this might be the last time that I'm going to do this, something for you right? that just to, you know, to thank you for the life you've given me, you yeah. know, like at the same time of him being all this, all at the end of the day, he wants his family to be happy versus mm -hmm. his family to have something for us to be happy. Right. Because right. in all of the craziness that he is and my parents are, at the end of the day, all they want, all they do is like love their kids. And that's the only way they can express their love by right. giving something. And because we grew up in a family business, that something was the restaurant and was right. the business. And to see the pain in a man like that was, I, I can't describe it. I know. It gives you know, me the chills pain, just thinking about that. Yeah. yeah because 
this man who was everything and then broken and then you see that when you have seen him all your life just be this larger than life personality it's very it's it's very it's hard to come to terms with so we just needed to step in and we needed to be the kids that he raised and we needed to you know show up for our family and for our culture and for our legacy and we did and um and it was very difficult it's not it wasn't easy yeah but now looking back it was like the best thing we could have done I learned so much um and I often think if my dad was able to achieve what he achieved without any education without knowing the language you know then there really is no limit to what we can do as his children and you know, have him raise us the way he did and what my mom did. And then they're still, they're still together. And it's really beautiful what we built as a family. My mm-hmm. parents have a beautiful place in Oaxaca. I'm going to be there next week. Oh, I'm doing a barbacoa and my dad's little, he has a little ranch and host friends at his house. And then we have houses there and, you know, ha- being able to have that fluidity to live in both places and having my parents there. It's, it's really beautiful. And I think that really is the immigrant life, like the immigrant dream mm-hmm. or that people speak of the American dream is most grown immigrants that most people who migrate to this country at an older age. My dad was 34 when he moved to the U S Yeah, he wasn't thinking I'm going to move to the U S and that's where I'm going to live my life. Right. He wanted to build a, a, um, a solid foundation for his family, but his heart, his life, his soul is in Oaxaca. So him being able to go back and live that life, knowing that his kids are now, in a different life and a different generation and you know just it's it's beautiful to see and and I'm very happy that you know we were able to provide for my parents and still do absolutely so Galagetza is he opened a truly authentic like Oaxacan restaurant yeah a hundred percent and today it feels very much that, I mean, I didn't go obviously back in, back in the day when your dad opened it, but the restaurant I go to today feels very yeah. authentic Oaxacan. Like y'all oh, yes. kept it very like to the roots of what he created. Yes, because that's who I am. That's who we are. My sister, mm-hmm. my brother and I, you know, the three of us run, run the restaurant. My sister is really in charge and heads the restaurant. That's who we are at our core. Mm-hmm. Like what we want to do is serve food that we grew up eating and I don't want to change that. I think there's so many, there's something so beautiful about preserving culture. And that's my mission. I love going to Mexican restaurants that are you know, new chefs are ideating, like ideating. I've gone to so many and I love them and I eat there with my friends and I go yeah. there all the time. I just, I, I don't, I, that's not my personality. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm executing. What I'm executing and what I, what my legacy is, is the preservation of our culture. And what I can offer people is the best version of what Oaxacan food is at its core and at its mm-hmm. just at its purest form. And yeah. that's what we do at Galagueta every single day at the best way possible. And I love seeing new families come by. I love seeing multiple generations now go to the restaurant. I love hearing stories of people of how they met at the restaurant. I mean, we're going to turn 30 years next year. So that's wild. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, owning a restaurant in a major market like LA is already such uh, an accomplishment and a feat, I feel like. And to have one for so long, that is still so popular. I mean, every time I go, there's a line, there's a wait. And the place is huge, by the way. Y'all's restaurant is massive. I'm like, how are this many people here? Like, it's Tuesday. Like, why are they all here? But it's so good. Like, people just pile in there and y'all always have a wait. How do you, I mean, is it just because it's so authentic, you think? Like, because you've made this community for it's because we're just amazing Lindsay because we're just so amazing (laughs) I mean I know you are (laughs) why you know I think it's the people that work with us to be honest I can't take credit for that at all it's really every single person that works behind the line every single person that's serving our customers it's the customers themselves who appreciate great food but it's also I think LA knowing the quality of Mexican food that we have in this city, mm-hmm. right? And demanding more of us every single time. I mean, I will stand, I will stand by my food a hundred percent. I I I mean, I truly do have the best Mexican food. 
It's I love that. It's great. It has so much soul. Every single person that cooks it cares. We all care. We all care because we're serving a larger purpose. It's we're not just serving food, like we're preserving our culture. Mm-hmm. We 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 need to make sure that we put the our best food forward because we are shaping the palate of the next generation of Mexican Americans. We want to make sure that they know what great food is, and that's my responsibility. So we take it very, very serious. Yeah. So when you moved to LA from Mexico, mm-hmm. were you excited to come here? Were you like LA, or were you like, no, I'm not leaving? Girl, was I excited? Was I excited? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I don't know if you know this, but American television feeds or and they still does, but back back in, you know, the mid-90s even more, they would feed onto cable television and television airwaves all over the world. Right. So I grew up watching Full House and Saved by the Bell. Oh, like classic. the idea that I was going to meet Zach Morris, my God. Like, do you understand what that means? Like the idea that I was going to have a locker, like I was telling you, a locker to me was just like the epitome of America. Yeah, I was laughing when you were like, I had a locker, and I'm like, oh, okay. But I remember I remember getting excited about a locker, too, but that's funny. That's like a, a pivotal moment for you. Yeah. There's no lockers in Mexico. Oh <laughs> like, gosh. Uncle Jesse. Like, I was, I, we went, we took a trip to San Francisco and to see the full house. I, right. Are you kidding me? DJ? <laughs> Stephanie? Uncle Jesse? Wait, like, so I was you, all in. I was all in on America. <laughs> Are you friends with any of them now? Because I mean, like Tiffany Thiessen, I know is in the Food Network world. Mario Lopez is obviously like I know Mario Lopez. <laughs> I know a Mario Lopez. ACs later, who I think was Italian in the in the in the Save by the Bell era, I think, or maybe a, Albert Clifford Slater was his real name. Yes. Just so you know, I know my trivia. I know my Save by the Bell trivia. Um, oh my! Gosh. Albert Clifford is not a Mexican name. No, it's not. Um, no. I, I know my trivia girl. That's I told funny. you. I, I never actually in. thought of that. Like that he wasn't, I guess he wasn't playing someone Mexican on the show. No, I don't think he was. <laughs> I don't think they ever mentioned it. He just was just like a lighter shade of brown. Um, Albert Clifford. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, oh. Google it. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I just, and then my sister, no, no, it's so crazy that my sister and I would play pretend in a room that we were sisters that we spoke English and then we lived in America like when we lived in Oaxaca so talk about manifesting our life yeah oh my gosh so did you so you learned English when you got here like you were saying with your mm-hmm. ESL teacher yes. okay so, mm-hmm. oh my goodness so you were thrilled to come that's why my accent still comes out here and there yeah. also it's like LA slash Mexican Latina you, right. you can definitely tell yeah <laughs> Well, I do feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously, what do I know about it? But I would imagine coming from Mexico to somewhere like LA is a smoother transition than if you were to go from Mexico to like, Ohio, like, I feel like we have such a huge, like Latina population, like, would you agree with that? Or is that not your was that not your experience? Yes, yes. But also, aside from that, it was the first time I met someone from El Salvador. It was the first time I met someone from Guatemala. It was the first time I met someone from Nicaragua. It was the first time I met people from other states. Um, That's cool. It was the first time I met someone who was Chinese, Korean. Right. You know, I think that that is why I love LA so much. I rep LA yeah. hard. I mean, I'm from LA, I think. Yeah. yeah. I was 10 when I moved here. I, yeah. I'm I mean, LA. you're wearing an LA <laughs> shirt right now. I, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it does feel like you're very LA and I, you know, you obviously connect with Los Angeles. You've been here since you were 10, you're raising your family here, but you're very much like representing, like you become the face, if not, you know, one of the faces, if not the face Mm -hmm. of Oaxacan cuisine and culture. Like, I feel like you really try and, you know, bring that to the forefront. And it's very important to me. That's been my mission forever. I think that I mean, obviously, I wrote the book. I wrote Oaxaca. That's literally the name of my first cookbook. Yes, I have it right here. Yeah, and you know, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's that's really like my that really is my mission in life. Uh, I want my kids to grow up being proud of where they are from. I want my kids to understand the power that they have in their culture. I want my children to change the world. The perception of uh, you know what it's like to be an immigrant child of immigrant parents. I I want them to change the world. That's really why I do this. Um, but also I'm from LA and that's why I think that 
know you were saying I rep LA hard. I think the past couple of years, I realized that I don't have to be this girl from Oaxaca all the time. I'm always going to I mean, I mean, yes, I'm always going to be a girl from Oaxaca. That's never going to change. But I'm mm-hmm. also, I think I suppressed my little LA girl for a long time. And I yeah. think she's having a little moment right now. And, you know, my second book, Asada, is really all about LA culture and my life after 10. My yeah. life after my life when, you know, my life here in LA and having carne asadas and meeting friends from different parts of Mexico and um, just living my best, you know, Latina LA lifestyle that I adore and love so much and a celebration of all my Latinas. And I, that's what, that's why I wrote my second book, which is Asada. And it's all about, you know, that culture. Yeah. And tell me like Asada, like Asada means like a gap. Is it, is it like a gathering around that party girl? Yeah. I'm going to invite you to my next Asada at my house and you'll be like, this is an Asada? Damn. (laughs) Nothing (laughs) makes me happier. I always say on here, like, don't bring up wanting Mexican food if you're not willing to go get Mexican food right now because all I ever want is Mexican (laughs) food and I would love to go to an asada yeah yeah I've been having lots lately I usually always have one fourth of July not sure I'm gonna have one last minute this time because I feel like also your girls gotta rest but we'll see we'll see where that takes we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see what happens um yeah so tell us but, what yeah. is that? Like, what does that mean? Oh what does it God. represent? So asada, like, like when you say like, I'm going to the asada, that means like I'm going to someone's home and they've welcomed me as family. That really is what it's like. Oh, so you go to someone's home and, you know, usually you bring something. I would always suggest a nice bottle of mezcal or tequila is great. Beer is always welcome or ceviche. Like those are the things that you bring to an asada. Oh, cool. Or a cake. It's weird. People bring cakes all the time. Um, and you're welcome with, I always welcome people with a spread. There's food, there's lots of music, and it's just people just hanging out. There's no really beginning or end time. It usually just drags on, people come, people go. And it's it's just about building community and it's having the best time of your life with the people that you love right. without being fancy about it. There's no, yeah. there's no beautiful plateware. There's no tablescape. It's just food on paper plates or on foil and people just go to town with tortillas there's no silverware there's no cutting against the grain it's just ripping the meat apart and then just having the best time the best time oh I love that so your whole book Asada is about those gatherings what that means to you and your community and then also obviously incredible recipes it's, it's really all the recipes and it really came to be um, in, I had the idea of the book um, in 2020 when I couldn't host my family for 4th of July. And it was the first time that I wasn't going to have my big asada that I always have. Uh, and my brother asked me for the recipes because he wanted to have some, he wanted to recreate them at his house for his wife yeah. and, you know, um, so I sent him, I have a, a little, on my notes app, I have like every asada I've done and I have what I served, how many people came, what worked, what didn't, like oh, I have I a whole that. thing. So I sent it to him and uh, he sent me photos and they look great. And I thought, this is going to be a book. So I called my agent and I was like, this is the book I want to write next. He said, okay, I like it. I like the idea. And then I forgot to write the proposal. <laughs> for two years and then two years later is game and I don't know sometimes I just wake up and I'm like I'm gonna do this yeah so it was a random effort it was I think in the summer it was definitely summer and I'm like you know what I'm gonna write a book so I called Javier my co-writer and I, mm-hmm. and I said let's do this proposal come come to my house he came to my house and we wrote the proposal in like four hours I sent it to my agent and then a couple weeks later we had the book deal done and then six months later the book was done. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. And now I'm here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And here you are promoting the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it must be very Just, exciting to see your second book out into the world celebrating Asada in your culture. It is. It's, it's really, it's so beautiful. I mean, I think it's a whole other chapter in my life right now. Uh, I think that again, for a long time, you know, I was just the girl that was talking about Oaxaca. And then 
and I still do. I mean, girl, I gotta walk all the time. I'm going next week. I'm probably gonna go three times before the year ends, and it's forever my soul in my life. But there's mm-hmm. just so much more to me, and there's so much more to like. People are not just one thing, right? Yeah. So right now, it's just really a celebration of my LA girl yeah. inside. And like, does Asada? Do you have to be grilling for it to be Asada? Is that did I read that correctly? Or is no, that right? no, no. I mean, I mean. You definitely can have an asada without turning the grill on. You know, okay. like it's just about ga- gathering people, but it's there's quite essential dishes that need to be involved. Obviously, you know, you you can have you you don't have to have a grill. Like you can, you know, put everything in your stove and broiler or whatever. Sure. Um, but it's just I think the quintessentials are just the salsas, the rice, the beans, and having a re- a, a, a marinated protein, whether that's yeah. um, whether that's seafood uh, when you have you know we have a great um uh snapper recipe in the book fortula snapper whether it's just you're marinating your 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 fish you're marinating your chicken you're marinating your meat it's just like you marinate something um and then just kind of having people over and it's beautiful i mean but i mean when people say asado it, it is very much either in someone's backyard or in a park in la that really is what it is and I've done a few asadas at the park and those are really, really fun. There's always a bouncy house all the time. Well, you do, I was about to say, like living in LA, you do see that a lot on the weekends. Like, oh yeah. Now I know so, it's like, called that's an asada. the thing. Yeah. That's, that's, I didn't, under, I didn't realize that a lot of people didn't know what that was, you know, no. it's just, but now when you go through a park, you're like, oh, they're having an asada. Oh, cool. I know that. I, I, I read the book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. <laughs> So tell us, like, for anyone who doesn't know, like, what are the characteristics or what kind of defines Oaxacan cuisine? Like, what sets it apart in, in Mexican food? Oh, yeah, for sure. So Oaxaca has really an innate, or it's ingrained in us. And what we love to do in Oaxaca is just this open, this relationship with fire. So we love open fire cooking. That is really quintessential Oaxaca, whether it's over a comal or just, fire it's what we just really just everywhere and the smoke and even I still remember my grandma's hair would always smell like smoke if she her hair would always smell like smoked chiles all the time and it's so funny because my hair now is just smells like smoke all the time (laughs) so I think I'm just like reliving right now my grandma's probably living in me right now and she's probably very very proud yeah the ability to combine chiles there's so many different varieties of chiles that are essential to Oaxaca and that are born in Oaxaca and they're only grown in certain regions of Oaxaca. So the 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 amount of chiles and spices that are available there is incredible. Things like hoja santa, hojas de aguacate, chilhuacle, which are the chiles, chile de agua, chile pasilla oaxaqueño. There's certain chiles that only really are from there or a relationship with corn, the amount of respect that we pay to our corn, so much corn and everything that we yeah. have. Really, I didn't have flour tortillas until I moved to the U.S. because oh, wow. I was brought up on corn all my life. Being able to make your own masa every single day. My grandma would, before going to sleep, she would put her corn to nixtamalize all the time. And I thought that was just like a normal thing you did. Um, and, you know, that's, I think that is what's quintessential Oaxaca for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's very smoky, right? There's a lot of smoky flavors in Oaxacan cuisine. In everything. Yeah. In the mole, in the salsas, in the mezcal, everything is just the roasting. It's really the roasting through open fire right. um, that really is what makes Oaxaca, Oaxaca. Oh my gosh, that, um, Tailuda, am I saying that right? Yeah, Clayuda. Mm-hmm. Clayuda at your at Galagatza. I mean, it's my favorite with that cheese, like that's like just ripped and torn up on top yeah. of it. Yeah. So those those Clayudas, um, those tortillas, we we bring them from Oaxaca. Um, we ship them here, so oh, they're wow. imported. They're not made here at all. We don't buy them. Um, we don't we don't buy them locally. We or make them ourselves. Yeah. Um, I just got into an argument with a, someone not too long ago because they make their own Clayudas here, but I. I just don't think that that is like Clayuda. And if he's listening, I'm sorry. I have to bring this up. To me, there's certain things that belong to Oaxaca and they should be protected, in my opinion, right? That they should be a denomination of origin, that they should have the respect because I think there's so much art to it. Sure. Um, You know, I think that people in Europe have done that wonderfully. And I think that is the reason why their food is valued so highly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think people from Oaxaca don't, 
have those denominations of origin. They have a few, but they don't have, there's no one there really, you know, in charge of that. To me, one of the things is like La Yuda. La Yuda, to me, should be made in Oaxaca by hands of women that are local, by certain corn, by the craft should be there. And that, to me, is like La Yuda. And if you make it outside of that realm, if you, if you, even if you take the technique and put it somewhere else, like, great, it's fine, it's beautiful, it's still delicious. It could be a large tortilla, and it's fine. Maybe a Oaxacan style tortilla, fine. But like right. La Yuda, that name should belong to Oaxaca, and I feel very passionate about that. Um, and I hate seeing La Yuda on the menu and me ordering it and being something else. And I'm like, right. call it a tostada, call it a large tortilla you know do you I just don't take that from us right so I'm sorry if you're listening my friend I still love you but like I will forever have this point of view no I like that you have them import I mean that's you're celebrating your culture once again and doing it you know through authentic Oaxacan ingredients which I think is incredible yeah that's amazing um okay and so like switching gears just a little bit you I feel like obviously the hustle has been in you forever. You like as a teenager in the Palisades, coming home, going straight to the restaurant, working in the restaurant, waking up, doing it all again, Santa Barbara, like, you know, with your mom on the weekends. Like really... I love how you're like, the hustle is real from Palisades to Santa Barbara. <laughs> makes me sound you're like. Right. That's like, it sounds like, okay, you just, you just said two very bougie places. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like two very bougie places. But anyway, so with funny. context, it makes sense. With context, yes, for, it makes sense. Um, always working in and with your family at the restaurant, shall <laughs> yes. I say. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> now I feel like you, that's like alive in you still. I mean, you are a mom, you have the restaurant, you have two cookbooks, you're, you know, podcasts, you have a line of goods. Like, is that, do you think that was instilled in you, obviously at a very young age through your family? Or is that something you just you know, you can't, you're just like a busy body. You're like an LA, a modern LA woman. I don't know, girl. I don't know. Can someone come fix me? I have no (laughs) idea. I think I'm just insane. I just think, I don't think I'm ever doing enough, to be honest. I mean, I hear when people, you know, when I never think that, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that at all, at all. I think there's just always so many things to do and achieve. And, you know, I'm very grateful and I, I am very, very grateful for everything I have and everything my family has achieved. But I just, I don't know. I think there's just like, there's such a bigger vision in my mind right. that I know it's going to take years to come to fruition that I think I just take it one day at a time. And I, I just can't stop. I just can't, can't stop. And if I'm ever not active or I'm the moments in my life where I haven't been active and the moments in my life where I don't see a push forward Mm -hmm. I fall into a place of depression which is not a good place to be in so I love moving I love creating if I'm not creating like I'm not happy yeah so yeah I know I'm just crazy no I mean I love anyone that's look let me tell you girl I'm Lindsay you have you have interviewed many people in the food world, okay? Yeah. The one common denominator that we're all insane. No, that's we're all insane. True. <laughs> yes, we're all the crazy. We're all damaged. We're all, you know, trying to solve some sort of issue, mommy or daddy. Like we're all, <laughs> we're all damaged and broken inside. That is oh the God. true common denominator of any person that cooks for a living. It's just this. That's just who we are. Yeah. That is so funny. Oh my gosh. Tell me, what is it like working with your siblings? I can't imagine it's incredible. us doing that. You love it. It's amazing. I love it. I could I would not want to do it any other way. My siblings are involved in everything I do. If there's something that I'm doing, I'm doing it with my siblings. I could not live life without them. They're That's like my so best cool. friends and they're my business partners and um, yeah, Paulina, Fernando, they're just everything to me. Our youngest sister, the smartest of the four, isn't involved in the business. She has a beautiful corporate job with Apple and she loves it and we love her for it. And, you know, again, she's, she's the one that's not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> she has it all figured out. Got it. She has it all figured out. Are you all in LA? She's though? the one that got love. She's the one that got love as a, as a kid. That's why. <laughs> She wasn't doing that that hustle between Santa Barbara and the Palisades. In the Palisades, yeah, she wasn't. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you all in LA though? 
Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so nice. Yes. Oh and it's yeah. funny. I, I'm the only one that lives far. So they, the three of them live in the same neighborhood. And then I'm the one who is 30 minutes away. So I'm always giving them shit for it. Like, of course, the middle child is the one that's left right. in the boonies. Of course. Of course. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, so that wasn't by design. You weren't like, I need some space. <laughs> No, I would have loved. I would. I would love nothing more than to live next to my siblings. Like if the four of us could live in next to each other, that right. would be the dream. I would. Oh that God. would be my dream. That would be my dream. I feel like I should do that actually. Yeah, y'all need to like buy the compound. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do. You just gave me an idea. See. Um. So I was gonna tell you. I actually joined. Um. A friend of mine sent me. Um an article about regarding her and she was like, you need to join this nonprofit. They're looking for different types yes. of members. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I looked at it and I joined and, um, have actually been going back and forth with Leah about doing one of those Leah's Instagram amazing. takeovers for y'all. But, you should. um, what, what like inspired that? I mean, I think it's so cool to have a nonprofit that's just like uplifting women in the restaurant industry. I'm going to preface by saying that I have not been an active board member for the past six months. <laughs> <clears throat> Just because I hate to take credit for things I don't do or create, right. um, I was one of the nine. I was one of nine founders two years ago. Was right. it two years ago? Two, three years yeah, ago? Yeah, I think it was two years ago. And these women are the most. If you think I'm doing things, girl, these girls are making shit happen. I have never been so impressed, and I never witnessed the power of what women in duinity and duinity can can do and will mm -hmm. we put together an entire festival in i think three I weeks yeah. and these women have taken this organization into a place i never even thought it could be we've given away a quarter of a million dollars we've created an academy for women we've given so much money to women in in this in this space because it's very difficult to do this what we do and it's been amazing regarding her, um, regarding her food. Please, if you, you know, we're a nonprofit, every, everything that we do is given back to the women community. And now we launched another uh, chapter in DC and it's just growing. Uh, again, I haven't been an active board member in the past six months. And sometimes I get the briefing emails and I'm like, what are y'all doing right now? Like, <laughs> this is crazy. You know, I'm like, I am, I'm just here trying to sell books and you guys are changing the world. So it is, it's such a beautiful thing to see. And it's incredible to see what happens when women come together. And when that happens, like you are changing the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So what is still like on the horizon for you? You're saying that you you have so much more you still want to do. Like, what are you, mm -hmm. what are you hoping to like achieve in the, you know, coming years, months, whatever? Yeah. I think right now I am definitely focused on growing our michelada brand so we own a brand called i love micheladas yeah. um, where we sell michelada mix in a chamoy, in chamoy. Uh, and we have we're in retailers like costco northgate markets bayard markets here in california and um, i'm just growing the brand I, i'd love to expand it into other into other states and that's really where my focus lies and right now all i can think about is micheladas and asada uh, for the next you know few months yeah. and then after that we'll see where life takes me <laughs> do you think you'll do another book i i'm sure i'll do another book i'm sure yeah just not in the next 12 months yeah <laughs> you need a breather <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and so you were saying you'll go back to oaxaca like another three times you do you take the kids and like really immerse them in like where you mm -hmm. were like born and raised mm -hmm. till 10 yeah, so my siblings and I have two homes in Oaxaca that we have on Airbnb, and cool. we love spending time there. I'm going, I'm taking my daughter this time around. Maybe next time I'll take my son. I just love for them to just spend some time with my parents there and, you know, where we live and um, in the town where I grew up. Uh, my parents live um, uh, in my mom's hometown, which is where I was born mm -hmm. and where I grew up visiting. And that really feels when I go there, it just feels like home. And I want my parent, my, my kids to grow up feeling the same way. So yeah, it's, and I'm very blessed and feel very privileged to be able to do that. And I think eventually living my life half of the time in Oaxaca and half of the time here in LA would just be the ideal thing. And for my kids to spend the summers there and, you know, just have friendships there and create community there. And I think that that's really special. Yeah, absolutely. Did I read somewhere? I think I read it or maybe I heard it somewhere that you don't call yourself a chef. 
I don't like, I'm not a chef. Okay, this is the thing. I go back and forth with people. I didn't go to culinary school, right? I, I, it's, it's weird for me when people call me chef, especially because I know chefs that have really done the work of being at different restaurants and, you know, having different stations and the whatever station and then whatever French name is theirs and that right. and this cut and whatever and this thing. And I'm just like, I have a restaurant and I know Oaxacan food and I'm a cook, right? So, <clears throat> and so many other friends and, and those same friends tell me that that it's ridiculous that I think that, that why do I do that? Like, there's just a whole, a cold conversation that I have with chef friends and non-chef friends. Right. And my chef friends always say that you should be calling yourself a chef. And then my non-chef friends are always like, oh, of course, everybody nowadays calls themselves a chef. And I'm like, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my God. Well, I saw you all weekend. I saw you in everyone's As a chef. So this weekend, I was Aspen a chef. Aspen Food and Wine. You know, like you're clearly yeah. celebrating your culture, cooking at Aspen Food and Wine amongst all of like the best chefs of our time. So you, ha- you yeah. must have some credibility when it comes to being a chef, I would say. <laughs> I'm telling you, and all my chef friends call me chef, and they're like, girl, you're crazy. You are a chef. And then all my non-chef friends are always like, yeah, you're right. Thanks for respecting the name. And I'm like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> just breeze What yeah. did you think you I'm were going to just... do? Like, did you, being raised in the restaurant, were you like, oh, I'm always going to be in this restaurant? Or did you think you would go and do something different? Uh, I mean, I always knew I was going to work for myself. I don't know if that makes any sense. I n- never, I I did always want it. It's just such a weird thing. Okay. Don't, this is so weird. I don't know where this idea came in my mind. Oh, I can't wait. But I always thought I was going to be some executive at like Pepsi or something where I would like get up and do the whole fit in the morning with the high heels and I like walk this. into a room. Girl, I'm out here with an LA shirt and sneakers and like my Air Max every single day. I'm like not living that life. Maybe, 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 who knows? Maybe I'll have a third life. Well, you found your version of that because you are still like leading things and like you're still a boss. So you found your version of that. Yeah, yeah. But there's no power suit. There's no high heels. It's just (laughs) a relaxed LA t-shirt and my Air Max. (laughs) Well, I did just watch that movie. Um, the evil Hot Cheetos? directed about Hot Cheetos. Oh, yes. Yes. all right, girl. Yes. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll just walk into Frito-Lay and be like, listen. This is what's up. <laughs> yeah. I'll show I you how to make micheladas. I'm so <laughs> impressed by that, that story. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. It was such an important movie for our community. And yes, all the Latinas came out of support. We all, I, yes, we, I watched it a bunch and it's yeah. a beautiful movie and please everyone should go on Hulu and on Disney, stream it, flaming hot, please. (laughs) Yeah. Do you find that the Mexican community that y'all have built in LA is like family? Mm -hmm. Yes. All of us, I think that we have created a beautiful Latina sisterhood in LA and we all show up for each other and we all support each other. And we all know that when one wins, we all win and we celebrate our wins and we build each other up and we help each other. And it's just so beautiful. And I love everything Eva's doing. I love how she brings her friends along. I love how she's so giving. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's a whole posse. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I actually, um, was a talent producer on George Lopez's talk show Lopez tonight Uh a million years ago. And she came on a couple of times and their friendship was so cute and they were just like so supportive of each other but she's just like the nicest person ever yeah who now goes by eva by the way let me oh, see it's not eva. eva anymore it's it's eva yes was it always <laughs> eva and i'm just saying it wrong no 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 she was eva but now she's eva oh okay eva Longoria. i love that okay <laughs> yeah yeah learn something new i always ask people where would you send someone locally like a restaurant that you're loving like, obviously, Galagetza, everyone should Galagetza? go. <laughs> um, everyone should go to Holbox and Chichen Itza. That, that's always been my my answer for the past. I, they've been around for, I think, 20 years now, too. Very similar story than me. His dad retired. Um, he took over his, you know, his dad. He became business partners with his dad, though. Um, and then opened a new restaurant, Holbox, that just won Restaurant of the Year. Yeah. And watching Gilberto succeed and watching him grow and watching him do his thing is 
incredible. I, I love him. He is like a brother to my family. He's almost like part of my family. And yeah. Oh, that's, that's, I, I, that's been my answer for, for a long yeah. time. <laughs> that's incredible. I yeah. love that. Um, okay. Quick fire five. So just tell me whatever comes to mind. Um, okay. last meal before you die. Okay, but it's like a spread. Is that okay? Yeah, oh yeah, it's your last meal. Okay, so my spread, it's my my last, okay, so their spread involves um, tortillas, like large handmade tortillas with my mom, by my mom, tasajo, nopalitos, frijoles, um, quesillo, chiles de agua, limones, chapulines, and then just put that all together. And oh, you yeah, know, aguacate, but aguacate, aguacate de Oaxaca. There's an avocado that you eat with the skin on in Oaxaca. Oh, That's yeah, yeah. the most delicious thing ever. So that, all of that <laughs> in a salsa, yeah. a roasted salsa, all of that, all of that yeah, in one bite. Yeah. That's the, that, if I'm going to go down, that's how I'm going to go down. That's exactly. Same. I think <laughs> I'm with you. Um, what is your favorite city to eat your way through? Mexico City. Oh, I love Mexico City. Um, okay, and then this is an interesting one for you because you're a restaurant owner, but also a restaurant patron. What is your biggest like restaurant pet peeve? Oh, girl. Oh, my God. Um, I think my biggest pet peeve is when people work at a restaurant that don't like to work at restaurants. Like, if you don't like it, just don't work there. It gets fine. Like, just find another job. Right. Like, don't be here with an attitude. Like, you're in hospitality. You're, you're in signing hospitality. up for this. Like, it's in the name. Literally, <laughs> so for every me, time, I'm the same way. I'm like, hello. I'm like, if you don't want to be here, just move on. There's so many other jobs you can have. Everyone's hiring. Just, like, be here if you want to be here. Yeah. Like, don't. Don't ruin hospitality for the rest of us. <laughs> yes, I agree with that big time. Okay, and then favorite um, beverage, whether alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Oh, I love me a sparkling water. That's it. I just love sparkling water so much. That is so funny. I love sparkling water with like bitters on top. Yeah, yeah. I just I think that like hits that. different. It's just like, ugh. Love sparkling water. Yeah, it can even feel kind of like cocktail esque when you do bitters. You can kind of feel like you're having yeah. a little something special. But like a great, like I, I don't like a bad sparkling water. I like the extra bubbly sparkling yeah. water, like that really fizzy. I love sparkling water. Yeah. Do you have a favorite like brand? Like, are you a Topo Chico gal? Or like uh, a I mean, I, I I fuck with Topo Chico for sure. I love Agua de Piedra. It's a great one. Is that like a lot of um, carbonation in that one? Yeah. Um, I went recently went to a restaurant. I forgot. I took a picture. They have an actual like carbonation machine. Yeah. And when I tasted that, I don't know what kind of power they're putting on that, but I was like, this is the most sparkly water I've ever had in my life. And I should have like, yeah. I should have taken, I should have taken more photos and the whole thing. And I'm going to buy one of those for my restaurant. I need to right. go back now. I just remembered. <laughs> um, but I love me like a highly carbonated water. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then number five, do you have tattoos? <laughs> oh, yes, but none that I'm proud of. There's, well, actually one I'm okay with. One I can live for the rest of my life with. I have a little, so there's a, there's a very iconic stamp. That's the made in Mexico stamp. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like a little eagle and it says made in Mexico on the bottom and it's used and all the things that are imported or sorry, all the things that are exported out of Mexico. And it's the sign, the made in Mexico oh, cool. sign. So I have that little eagle tattooed in my butt. <laughs> Cause it's is like, that the made one, in Mexico. is that the one you could live with forever? I could live with that forever. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm proud of that one. Yeah, I'm like, like that. amazing. It's like, I would stamp a Mexico. It's fine. It does not say made in Mexico. It just, it's just a little it's like eagle. eagle. Yeah. And I don't see it because it's in the back of my body. So I don't, right. you know, whatever it's there. Yeah. And then I have these five little stupid pixie dust stars that like are whatever. And I don't know what you call this area in your hip oh, yeah. area. Like hip, yeah. Just. Like the Latin, like the typical Latin, I feel like that's the Latina stamp. Like we all get either cherries or stars and like, you know, when we're 18 years old, cause you oh, want to rebel. Funny. 
and those those I'm gonna get removed eventually because I hate looking at those like oh so cheesy and horrible oh, that's so funny well those you have to look at so you're like I have to get rid of these the other one you're like that yeah. can stay <laughs> yeah yeah well thank you so much for coming on it was so great to chat with you congrats on your beautiful cookbook Asada book number thank two you. number thank one Oaxaca is two. sitting on my shelf here so y'all make sure you go thank get you. both of those and I really thank appreciate you. it Thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. And I want to come to your next asada. Yes, you're coming to the next asada for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're invited oh to the asada, Lindsay, 100%. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, love her. Love learning about Oaxacan culture and cuisine and cannot wait to go to an asada. Make sure you check out her books, Oaxaca, Home Cooking from the Heart of Mexico, and her latest, Asada, The Art of Mexican Style Grilling, and give Bricia a follow across socials at Bricia Lopez to stay in the know on where to buy her books, what's coming up next, her Michelada line, and so much more. Thank you for listening to Table 5. You can keep up with Table 5 across social media at Table 5 Pod. Thanks, y'all.